um, the book of Psalms and turn to Psalm 18. I uh, mentioned this morning and I, I feel bad because I had written out what I wanted to say um, so that I wouldn't stumble around my words and then I turned out stumbling around my words because I couldn't find what I had written out. Uh, but I do want to thank the church and I wanted to give you a couple of examples on of what the church has meant to me, not just in my training and prayers, but even still up in North Dakota, um, knowing you all are praying for me. Uh, God, God always uh, works in His people's lives, amen? And I'm, not, I'm never surprised when God blesses His children. But I'm, I'm often amazed at how often He uses His children to do it. Does that make sense? So God has blessed me but he often uses his people to do that blessing. And I'm not just talking about material, I'm talking spiritual. Last year, um, I was uh, uh, going through a a very difficult time, and my wife and I both were praying, and nobody here would have known what we were going through. The Lord did, and he put it on somebody's heart here to write my wife and I a note just to let us know that they're praying for us from this church. And it, it could not have come in the mail at a better time, just an encouragement, praying for you. And that, that's what we needed. We needed prayer. And it was the, it was the Lord reminding us that I know, I know what's going on. And you, you, you keep trusting me and you keep going ahead. And I'll tell a specific example was um, we watched the live stream, like I said, and, and I was struggling with something, uh, understanding it and working through things. And we tuned in, and Brother Marcus preached a message on meditating. I don't know if you remember that message or not. But God used that to help me, and uh, it, 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 it helped fix my thinking. And, and so I, I praise God for that. You know, God uses His people. And so I, I want to say that the church here is having a direct impact on us, more than my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law and their prayers for us, their influence on us, although that is significant, their influence. Um, but... God, this church still to pray for us. I want you to know I appreciate it very much. And your prayers, they matter. And I believe that you'll see fruit to your account uh, when we get to the heaven, even up in Laramore, North Dakota. Amen. Psalm 18. I want to give you a little bit of a of a of a warning. I'm not going to preach too long this afternoon. I will make up for the 11 o'clock hour. Amen. Um, uh, even out my average here, but. Um, I, I'm going to work very hard not to make this seem like a college course. Uh, I don't want you to think it's like that. I don't want to be boring. Uh, but some of it is a little teachy, so just try to bear with me. I really believe that it will be used by the Lord to bless you. There could not have been a better song those ladies could have sung to introduce this message than the one they sang. And what my father-in-law just said, and he didn't know what I was preaching on, uh, could not have been better said about the church it not being on a man, it's about Christ than what's in this message. So I'll take that as affirmation from the Lord. Amen. So with excitement and anticipation of what the Lord will do, let's go to Him in prayer and let's ask for His help. Our Father in Heaven, thank You again for the privilege it is to open up Your Word and to know that it is true. I know we say that often, Father, but we mean every word of it. We're grateful. Father, I ask now that You would help me. I pray You'd give me the grace I need to preach. I pray, Lord, that we would uh, do as we sang earlier that we would give you our best. We recognize our talents.
ask that you would take something uh, out of it and use it in a great and mighty way. Father, I pray you'd protect this place, allow your spirit to have free reign. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 18, would you please stand? And We're not going to read the whole psalm. I will tell you ahead of time, I would commend to you reading this psalm in its entirety, perhaps sometime this week. Uh, We won't have time to go through all of it. We'll look at a few high points. But we're going to read the first six verses, and then we'll get into the message. Verse 1. And I'm going to read the introduction, and I'm going to explain to you that in just a second. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, and the snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, And my cry came before him, even into his ears. Thank you. You may be seated. When you have a church anniversary, it's often good to look back on all the things God has done for you. You realize that you did not get here by yourselves. You got here because your chief shepherd is Jesus Christ, and God is your God and your provider. David is in a similar way right now. He's looking back at the deliverance God has given him. Now, I'm going to ask that you not do it right now. You're going to have to trust me on this, and then you can see it later. But in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22, this psalm is almost word for word recorded in there. All right, And um, the, the, in that chapter, verse 1, we have almost word for word the introduction we just read, read about this is what David said under the song, The day the Lord delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and the hand of Saul. That's in that verse. So this, that's part of Scripture in the prophet Samuel as he recorded that. And then what David did was David said, I want this to be more than just a personal testimony. I want you to send this to the chief musician. I want you to put this into our hymn book because I want God's people to sing this because there's going to be a time when they can identify And there really is a time when we look back and we see God has delivered us from so many things. There's three things we're going to see in the psalm, I hope. Number one, David praises God. He petitions God. And lastly, we see how personal the psalm is. And I believe that in application, Long Island Baptist Church can do the same thing. You can look back and you can see God's protection in the past. You can see the the things worthy of God's praise and you can see... We continue to petition God, but we also see that God is a very personal God. And so what I want to do is I want to look at this introduction because, as I said, it's part of the, the Bible in, in the book of Second uh, uh, Samuel, but it is also here, and if you look in the Hebrew Scriptures, it is included in the psalm. It is included there. But I want to draw your attention to something very important. It says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. That, that title is only given... 
uh, a few times in Scripture. It's given to Moses, it's given to Joshua, it's given to David. The next time you see that phrase, it's talking about a pastor. It says that that's why we ought to study as a servant of the Lord, but rightly dividing the word of truth. So that ought to motivate you to pray for your pastor, understanding the, 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 the seriousness of the business that he is called to do and rightly dividing the word of God. But we also know Jesus Christ obviously is the servant of the Lord. He's given us the greatest example of that. So David here acknowledges who he is. I'm not King David. I'm a servant of the Lord. Again, reminding us of our proper place. But it says that, "...who spake unto the Lord the words of this song, and that they, the Lord, delivered him from the hand of all his enemies, and from the hand of Saul." Why the distinction? Why the difference? Well, it gets even more interesting because hand is a different word for enemies than it is for Saul. David uses a different word when it's time to uh, introduce this psalm. The Hebrew word is different for the hand of enemies than it is the hand of Saul. Now that may not seem like a significant thing until you study out where else that word is used. So let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I want you to see where this word for the hand of Saul, where it was used also. 1 Samuel 17, you probably know this story very well. It's David and Goliath. David has uh, come out and he has told the soldiers around him, hey, don't, no one needs to fear. I've got this. I can handle this. Goliath is no problem for God. And why, why is everyone so afraid? Of course, they accused David of being here for the wrong reasons. And Saul looks on David and... Um, he, he, he is trying to convince David not to go. The Bible says in uh, verse 32 of chapter 17, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. You guys don't need to be afraid. I got this. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Now look at verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord, look, that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. The paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. We know what that means. You know, that's the word that is used in Psalm 18. God delivered me from the paw of Saul. How is that possible? Because as tragic as it is, there are times when in your life, and you're living as a believer and for the Lord, and I'm not trying to be funny, this is what people take swipes at you. And as deadly and as vicious and as violent as the swipe of a lion and the swipe of a bear, there will be people in your life that attempt to attack you as well. 
But I want you to think of the tragedy now that David at one time was expressing to King Saul how God delivered him from the swipes and from the paw of these wild animals. And this man who heard testimony of God's deliverance could have been in history as recorded as one of God's great leaders. But instead, Saul, the man who heard this testimony about God's deliverance, turned out to be one of the very ones that God had to give David deliverance from again. David has experienced attacks from wild animals and from people. And you know what happened? David said this, God has delivered me every time. That's why I'm writing this psalm. I know what got me here. Saul is gone. Ishbosheth is gone. The, the, the enemies are done. The kingdom is established. And it's as if, and I don't mean to be irreverent, but it's as if David is saying this. In verse 1, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. It's as if he's saying this, Lord, we made it. And I wouldn't be here without you. You have delivered me time and time again. And so what does David do? He writes a psalm, moved by the Holy Ghost. And he writes this, I will love thee. This is an absolute beautiful word, love. It means more than emotion. This definition of this word means he has a yearning for. He has a desire to hold. We hadn't seen the girls in almost a month when we came to New York a, a few days ago. And uh, my daughters came and we embraced. But we embraced more and longer than we would have if I had just come back from the grocery store and had seen them ten minutes ago. It was a long hug. There was a desire to hold. Why? Because we love each other. That is exactly what this word means. Without being irreverent, please, don't, please understand, David is saying, Lord, I just want to hold you. I just, want to, I just want to hold you. I want to be near you. I love you. You are my strength. I know what got me here. It's you. You have delivered me. You are my strength. And so he wants to thank the Lord for it. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. In verse 2, he says, the Lord is my rock. That is stability. He's not being redundant. He's giving different facets of the beauty of God in his life. He's experienced a need for stability in his life. When he thought that he had to fall back on his emotion, or even on his own family, they weren't there. But God was always there. He's our stability. The Lord is my rock. My stability. He also is my fortress. Well, what's that? That's our security. A fortress is something that you need to be secure in. And may I say this, beloved, and I'm not trying to be funny, you don't need a fortress if there's not an enemy. Fortresses, fortresses aren't built just for you know, decoration. They're built within it, with a purpose. And David said this, I know that I can't live for you and serve you and just expect everything to go well. There's going to be a time I'm going to need some security in my life and Lord, you've provided it for me. You are my stability you are my security, but not only that, you are my salvation. You're my Savior. So he says here, you're my deliverer. Amen? Praise God for that. 
I mean, don't let that excite you or anything, but we've been delivered, amen? I mean, we've been delivered from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin. Praise the Lord, from the power of sin. I don't have to sin. I do. That's my own fault, not God's fault, but I don't have to. If I yield to His Spirit and I obey His Word, I'm able to bring Him glory with my life. Isn't that amazing? How did that become possible? He delivered me. He reached down, pulled me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock. He's our Savior. He's our Deliverer. He's more than just a person in who we pray to and say at the end of a prayer in Jesus' name. No, He did something for us. He saved us. He rescued us. David knows exactly how that feels. You are my Deliverer. You are my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. You are my stability, my security, my savior, and my strength. And so for this S word, I use the word strength. Because that's right there already, amen? Thank you, mom, for paying attention. All right. That was funnier in my head. Anyway, you are my strength. Now this is important because our fortress is a place we have to go to, amen? But the Lord, now I love this, the Lord is more than just the one we flee to. He is the one who gives us the strength to flee. He's the one who gives us the endurance. In short, let me just say this way, He's our everything. David is here trying to think of all the words he can use to try to express what God means to him. But it's no different with this church. You can look back and you can see there have been attacks. There have been hard things, hard trials, difficult things to go through. Not only on an individual level in your family, but on a church corporately. There's been trials. There have been some difficulties. But here you are. Strong. Thriving. Biblical. Praise the Lord. Why is that? Well, because you have a a stability. You have a rock. You have a cornerstone. Because you have security. Because you have a Savior. Because you have true strength. And that's why David says, this is why I will trust. Because you're my buckler. This is a, an old-fashioned word for shield. You are my protector. Praise the Lord, we have a protector. But not only that, you're the horn of my salvation. Now when you find this word, often it use, it's used to represent power. Remember in the book of the Revelation where John says, I saw Jesus, He had seven eyes and seven horns. You think to yourself, what in the world does that mean? Seven is the number of completion, right? So it's seven eyes, all seeing. Seven horns, all powerful. The horn gives the, 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 the sign of strength. And here's what David says, You are the source of my salvation, and you are the strength of my salvation. You want to know why a person never has to worry about making a false profession if they trust in Christ? Because He is the power of salvation. This salvation is secure because of Him. I like what one preacher said a long time ago. When I got saved, I wasn't making promises. I was standing on the promise. Amen. David knew it. He knew what that was like. He is the source of our salvation. He's the strength of our salvation. Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. There's a lot of things in life that are not uh, able to be trusted. They're weak. They're frail. 
You know what's not frail? The gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. David understood this. He, he had been delivered before. And then lastly, he's our sentinel. This is a, a guard. He says high tower at the end of verse 2. This is not a redundant word for fortress. It's different than fortress. A high tower was something that a guard would go up to so that he could look out. He was a watchman that was set up there on purpose. And you know what David said? You're my watchman. You're my high tower. In Psalm 61 and verse 2, David said, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Let that encourage you. Amen? There's no place you can go where God can't hear you. From the end of the earth will I, will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed. You ever been overwhelmed before? Has your heart ever been so heavy that you have to rest on the promise of Romans 8.26? That I don't even know what to pray, Brother Marcus. I don't even know the words to use. All I know is I have to pray. I don't even know what to pray. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. God takes my mumbled thoughts and the Holy Spirit turns them into a prayer that is in line with the Word of God. Praise the Lord for that. How is that possible? When my heart is overwhelmed, when I don't know what to do, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Why? Because the higher you get, the clearer you see. It's one thing to look around Long Island, but ask Mark Salvatore. You take off in a little Cessna 172, you can see a lot more of Long Island, can't you? It's one thing to look around our circumstances, but let, let him lead you to the rock that is higher than you. You'll start seeing a whole lot more and a whole lot clearer. David says, Lord, that, that's you. That, that, I need that in my life. You have brought me here. You've delivered me here. It's been you every step of the way. And so he wants to praise him. And that's really what we want to do this week is praise God. Lord, you have been our strength. You've been our shield. You have been our sentinel. You've watched for us. And so now, like David, we want to praise you for it. Verse 3, he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. That simply means... It's worth it. He deserves it. And I pray that's what happens this week. So there's praise given to God. I will praise thee. You're worthy of it. You deserve it. He says, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. This is experience talking. Because in the next few verses, look at how he describes what he's gone through. The sorrows of death compassed me. You know what the word compass is or encompassed? It means it went all the way around. Have you ever been there? The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. You can't be the Lord's church and not have ungodly men rise against you. And sometimes it seems like there's a flood. It's overwhelming. David, David knew it. Look at verse 5. The sorrows of hell compassed me. I mean, this guy, is he's been through it. We would use the word depressed, but that, no, that, is, that isn't even an adequate word. And remember, this isn't emotion. The Holy Spirit allowed him to write this, so it's true. The sorrows of hell compassed him. And then look at this. The snares of death prevented me. Now that word prevented doesn't mean what you commonly use the word prevent for. If you remember in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 
that we which remain will not prevent them which are asleep. That means we're not going to go before them. They're going to go first. So it's just a, it's an old-fashioned word for to go before. Here's what he's saying. The snares of death went before me. Have you ever felt in life like you could not move forward? And if you did, you just felt like, what's, what's going to happen? That's David here. If I go forward, I'm going to die. They're waiting for me. They're against me. If I go to the left, it's the sorrows of death. If I go to the right, it's the sorrows of hell. In short, beloved, I could go forward and backward and left and right, but it's everywhere around. It's just distress. It's sorrow. It's sadness. It's difficulty. It's trial. Here's what David's teaching us. When you can't go forward and you can't go backward and you can't go left and you can't go right, go up. He looks up. Remember, years ago, we had left church. It was pouring rain out. And the, the, the puddle in the parking lot was all around like a big U. The only way to get to our car was to walk through the puddle. Well, Molly, at that time, was not real fond of mud, dirt, rain, puddles, things like that. Um, she didn't want to do that. And I remember I was walking behind her, and she went out. started going back, right? Now I just assume she's probably going to come up underneath the, the roof of the porch, but she didn't. You know what she did? She, she was walking and she turned around and there I was and she went like this. I don't mean to be silly, but that's what David was doing because I was behind her. And when she saw me, she was basically saying, can you pick me up? I'm not, I'm not going through that but I know that you'll carry me through that. That's exactly what David is saying here. I have the sorrows of death, the sorrows of hell, trials, tribulations, and when I can't go this way or that way, I know I can go up because you're there. My shield, my source, my strength, all of that, you're there. This is why David says with confidence in verse 3, I shall be saved from mine enemies. Yet, David, what about 4, 5, and 6? What about distress and sorrow and hell and death? Those are some strong words. Oh, I know. Hell is real and death is real and sorrow is real and distress is real, but so is my God. And so I've learned some things in life. I've learned some things getting to this place. But those things don't have to define me. Those things don't have to dissuade me or discourage me or distract me. I have God. And so then he says in verse 6, In my distress I called upon the Lord, I cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. Beloved, what a blessing that we can know God hears our prayers. David said, It was in my distress I called upon him. God looked down and said, Well, you're getting what you deserve. No, in my distress I called upon the Lord. He heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him. In verses five, excuse me, verses three, four, five, and six, you have the words I, mine, me, 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 I, my, my, my. It's personal. This is not something about his God or their God or her God. It's my God. And because it's because he's my God, my God hears my prayer. So my distress 
is okay because I also have my God and my prayer and He heard my voice and my cry and all of that, His distress, or excuse me, my distress, my voice, my cry is overwhelmed with His ears. Amen? It's not just anyone listening. It's God. It's one thing to ask for help. It's another thing to ask for help from someone who can do something about it. Experience has taught David some things. Benjamin Franklin said, Experience is a wonderful teacher, but a fool learns by no other. In other words, learn from other people's experience, not your own all the time. Well, that's a good application in this psalm because David's teaching us things from his experience. But I bet if I were to ask Pastor Graff or those that have been faithful to Long Island Baptist, you probably have some experiences similar to David. Would you not agree with that? You have some things you can look back on and say, no, I remember when he's been my strength. He's been my security. He's been my, my savior. He's been my shield. He's been my sentinel, my guard. I, I, I know what David's talking about. Praise the Lord for that. Why is that? Well, further down in the chapter, and you're going to need to get this. I love this verse. I love this verse. Psalm 18, look at verse 31. For who is God save the Lord? Isn't that an odd question? Or who is a rock save our God? I mean, what he's saying is very important, especially if you're lost, but the saved need to remember it too. He's basically answering a rhetorical, excuse me, he's asking a rhetorical question. And it's very simple. Who is God except for God? Well, the answer is nobody. But we don't always live that way. I want you to know that you're going to need more than a pastor to please the Lord. You're going to need more than a saved spouse to please the Lord. You're going to need more than people. You need God. You can't ride on the coattails of other people. Now, you can be blessed because of other people. You can be... Children are blessed because their parents are saved and there's a benefit there. But my friend, David's God was his God. And David wasn't riding the coattails of anybody else. And neither can you and neither can I. This church, as Pastor said in the introduction, cannot look to anyone else besides God. Why? Because who else is God besides God? And if God is all those things that we need, He's the only one we should be looking to. And you ought to thank God for a man who's faithful behind the pulpit to continually point you to Him. Praise the Lord for that. Don't take that for granted. That's not, that's not common these days. I remember I was listening to one man preach, and he was talking about how man isn't important. Men don't need glory. I remember thinking to myself the funny irony of him saying that in the building named after him. <laughs> like, you walk up to the building and it has his name, this, this preaching center. And I thought to myself, that's funny. <laughs> you know, I'm not making fun of him, but I'm just saying it's easy to say it because it sounds good and out. No, praise God for a man that believes it. And you have that here. 
you have that in your pastor. So you ought to praise God that there's a man faithful to God's word who points you to God, to his son, to his salvation, to his security, to his spirit. You get the idea. There is no rock save our God. There is nothing here that can take the place of God. As I said, I, I commend you to read the whole, cha- the whole psalm. It's a, it's a really good psalm. But we're going to get to the end here, amen? There's no surer way of me preaching short than to guarantee smash burgers and wings after the message, amen? So, but also, so let's go down verse 46. Like I said, David has written a beautiful psalm of deliverance, and it's, it's, I'd, I'd encourage you to read it. But he ends with this, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me, and subdueth the people under me. I think if there was a song that could be sung for the anniversary of Long Island Baptist Church, it would be just that. The Lord liveth, and blessed be our rock, and let the God of our salvation be exalted. That's why James said, or Brother James said earlier, what better way to commemorate the anniversary than preaching? Preaching the Word of God, lifting up the Word of God, lifting up Christ. Let the, let the God of our salvation be exalted. Why? Because He's the one that brought us here. He's the one that avenges us. He's the one that subdues our enemies. We're, we're, we're here still because of God. Verse 48, He delivereth me from mine enemies. Yea, Thou liftest me up above those that rise against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore will I give thanks unto Thee, O Lord, among the heathen. He's not embarrassed. He's not ashamed. Among the heathen. Let them hear. Let them watch. Let them listen. I'm not embarrassed about who we are, what we do. I'm not embarrassed about what we believe. Let them talk. Let them do their thing. I'm going I'm to praise God even among the heathen and sing praises unto thy name. Great deliverance giveth he to his king. David knew who he was. And showeth mercy to his anointed. David knew who he was. To David. I have that underlined. To David. Isn't that a blessing? Because it's easy to read verses like this and say, great deliverance he giveth to him or them or her. But I I don't mean any irreverence whatsoever. But this could say this, great deliverance giveth he to his child and showeth mercy to his redeemed, to Bernard, to William to fill in the blank. I don't know Mr. Hunter's first name, but Mr. (laughs) It's personal. That's what he's saying here. David knew who he was, but he also knew who God was. And he says this, here's who God does these things for. Me. (laughs) That is wonderful. It's like Paul in Galatians chapter 2. Yes, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Yes, Ephesians, believers, Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. But in Galatians 2, Paul said that Christ loved me and gave Himself for me. It's personal. 
It was personal for David, it was personal for Paul, and it ought to be personal for us too. He giveth deliverance to David and to his seed forevermore. There's a great promise, and Pastor, again, he already said it in the introduction, it doesn't stop with us. If the Lord for some reason tarries His coming and we are not raptured, but we die and the Lord calls us home, the church continues on. David knew it didn't end with him. He's part of God's work on the earth. He's part of the Lord's work on the earth. And he said, this is going to be for me, yes, but it's going to be for others in the future too. It's going to be his seed evermore. Praise the Lord for a people that understand the truth and the power of the word posterity. Amen? Those that come after us. We are are privileged to be part of the Lord's work, beloved. And praise the Lord for it. I'm I'm so thankful for that. So, David, looking back on his experiences, all that God's done for him, he says, Lord, I, I, I love you. I just want to be near you when I think back of all the things you've done for me. And he spends 50 verses talking about what God has done and how he's delivered him. And then he says he wants to praise him, let you, let you be exalted. And then as John Phillips said, and I love this in his commentary, David looks at it, 50 verses, psalm of praise, experience. And he lays down his pen and says, here, take this to the chief musician. I want this in our hymn book. Because it's not just for David, it's for us too. And I pray that by the time we're done with the conference Wednesday night, There will be times of remembrance. Praise God for all He's done. But they'll be praising God for what He's done. Father in heaven, thank You for this afternoon and thank You for this truth. Lord, I know that there's so much You've done to bring Long Island Baptists to this place. Like David, they can look back at all the things You've done. Not not only the, the mighty victories, but also the deliverance from trials and tribulations. Father, You've stopped the mouths of of, uh, of naysayers and critics. You have avenged your people. You have shown uh, your blessing on them to be true and to be right. And I pray, Lord, that as we uh, celebrate that this week and we look at all you've done, I pray that we'd have the, the spirit of David as we praise you for it and thank you for it and just uh, figure out ways that in individual ways and, and as a church corporately, uh, we can praise you for all of your work. Thank you for being our shield. Thank you for being our stability and our strength and our security. Lord, I pray you're pleased with how your people respond. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.